Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a brand new Flyers Daily for the 17th of January, 2024. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. The Flyers will be back in action on Thursday. I feel like it's been a really long time since the Flyers had two days off before a game. Feels like an eternity. But that's the case. We'll preview Flyers stars coming up in tomorrow night's episode. It'll be a four-game homestand. Dallas tomorrow night. Colorado Saturday at 1 o'clock when Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, and the Avalanche come to town. Then Sunday, Claude Giroux and the Ottawa Senators, also 1 o'clock. And then the Flyers will wrap up the homestand uh, with a Tuesday game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Then they're going to head out on the road for one in Detroit and come back home and wrap up the month of January uh, with the Boston Bruins. So some intriguing teams, some pretty darn good teams as well. When you look at Dallas, Colorado, Tampa's on the come a little bit right now. Detroit is as well. And obviously Boston, one of the top-tier teams in the NHL. So intriguing times, to say the least, after a three-game sweep of a ho- of a road trip. Flyers go in, they get the three wins, they take care of business, which is a great sign. They go into Minnesota, come from behind on Friday. Then Saturday, they're on the back-to-back. Winnipeg is not. Winnipeg was 16-1-2 and two in their last 19. Flyers go into Winnipeg. They goose egg Sam Erson's third shutout of the season on Saturday. Then their third game in four days against the St. Louis Blues was that 4-2 win on Monday night. And Flyers have won now five of their last six. The only game that they lost in that mix was the, the Pittsburgh Penguin game, which I'm not even sure it happened. That was the night that the whole trade happened with uh, Gaudier and Jamie Drysdale, who we have not now seen in two straight games. Sean Couturier as well. We'll see if Jamie Drysdale can come back tomorrow night against the Dallas Stars from his illness, and we'll see if Sean Couturier can get back in there as well. And then you couple that with the reinsertion we saw him last game of Noah Cates. And are the Flyers going to get back to a point where it's 12-6? and Who stays in? Who goes out uh, from a defensive standpoint and from an offensive standpoint as well? How does this play out? Does Bobby Brink come out? Does a guy like Noah Cates play the middle, or does he go to the wing? There's a lot of intriguing questions that will get answered this week for the Philadelphia Flyers. And we have a lot of intriguing answers to questions for this episode of Flyers Daily. So I put out a tweet yesterday, and I went back and did some some looking and looking at some numbers. And I went back to November 7th. November 7th was when the Flyers lost to the San Jose Sharks. 2-1 was the final in that game. And it was San Jose's first win of the year. I think they were 0-11 at the time. And the Flyers went in, lost that first game of that road trip to San Jose. And it was embarrassing for the players. It was embarrassing for the team. And a lot of fans at that point were up in arms, as, as I was as well. But at that time, I had called it a big inflection point on the season. All that mattered was how they moved forward. Well, since that game, the Flyers have a record of 19-7-5. and And only two teams in the entire NHL have a better record over the same span. Those two teams are the Edmonton Oilers, who fired Jay Woodcroft and have gotten their season straightened out, and the Winnipeg Jets, who have the top points percentage in the NHL. They're the only two that that have a better record since November 7th 
than the Philadelphia Flyers. The Oilers are 21-6-0. The Winnipeg Jets are 21-6-2. And like I said, the Flyers 19-7-5. So uh, it's been a very good stretch. It's a better record than Colorado over that period. The Panthers, the Canucks, the Bruins, the Hurricanes. So the Flyers have done themselves uh, a really big favor uh, by the way they've played. And now we're here in mid-January. And they're solidly sitting in a playoff position. And look, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight to the wire. This is not. There's not going to be a big gap between two and seven. I feel through the end of this season. And as of taping right now, the Islanders, who have a game in hand on the Flyers, are in action and they are down in their game three to one. So a game in hand is only useful if it's a win in hand. That's obviously never a guarantee. But the Islanders coming in. Uh, 48 points are sitting now six points back of the Flyers. And if they don't get that win and pull it out in the third period uh, on the road, then they're going to be six points back, same amount of games played, which is important. So the Isles not doing themselves any favors at all. Uh, Rangers did get a 5-2 win over the Seattle Kraken. So they grabbed two more points. They now move up four points on the Flyers. And the Washington Capitals got a 2-0 win over the uh, Anaheim Ducks. So the Caps get back in the mix a little bit here. Uh, the point or the two points rather gets them to 48. So they're sitting six behind the Flyers, but they do still, even after that game last night, have two games in hand. But so I put out the tweet yesterday that the Flyers, you know, since that date, have uh, the third best record in the NHL. I figured it was a good time to take some Flyers daily questions from the great Flyer fans. So let's get to them. Uh, X J Sasquilla. I guess he lost his other Twitter handle. And this is a question that was asked a lot of times in the Twitter questions. Uh, He says, how does the overall team success impact the trade deadline? He said, I think it was a foregone conclusion that pretty much every pending UFA will be traded at the deadline. But now there has to be some level of concern at selling with a team in the middle of a playoff hunt and the message that it sends. And I think what uh, Jay's referring to not the message that it sends to the fans, but the message it sends to the locker room and the players that are going out there. As far as how does the the team success impact the deadline, it has you. It, I think it impacts it very little, to be honest with you. Where maybe before, if they were completely out of it, it's sell, sell, sell. But now that they're obviously in it, I don't think it's sell, sell, sell. I think it's sell if our price is met if our what we want to get in return if that offer is met so what do I mean Nick Sealer is a prime example of a guy in this situation I know they value Nick Sealer a tremendous amount I know and and when I say they I mean the front office I know that the players value Nick Sealer a tremendous amount so you have to have You know, I have to ask yourself a value equation. Is trading Nick Sealer in this spot more prudent than keeping him if you're going to get a third or fourth round pick for Nick Sealer? Now, he is a rental, not getting paid a ton of money, so he can fit on a lot of teams, so maybe you can create a market. But if you're not going to get a second round pick, I wouldn't trade Nick Sealer because then you're basically getting you know, like an 8% chance at a player in the third round or beyond 
that's going to play 100 NHL games. To me, the juice is not worth the squeeze there. Now, when it comes to Sean Walker, that's a little different because he's a right shot defenseman and they acquired Jamie Drysdale. And if Drysdale comes back from the illness and can prove that he's healthy, I think there's going to be a period of time where he needs to prove that. He missed a lot last year, started this year late. I think there's going to be a period where you go, okay, just because Drysdale's here doesn't mean we can ship somebody off. We got to make sure that he's here and he's available. But if he is healthy and available and can stay available, then Sean Walker, I think, is a different, a whole different ball game because of that. And because you have to make room. You have to make room for a right side guy. If Jamie Drysdale is going to play your top pairing, uh, along with Travis Sanheim, then your second pairing right now is Sean Walker and Nick Sealer. And then your third pairing is Rasmus Ristolainen and Igor Zamula. So how do you, and we have Cam York too. So how do you do this? Does Zamula come out of the lineup? Does If you trade Walker, does Sanheim move back to the right side? And so you would go back to maybe York and Sanheim. And then on your second pair or whatever you want to call it, Drysdale and Sealer. I don't know if that works, but, and then Ristolainen and Zamula. There's a lot to figure out here. But as far as the theory of it or the concept of what they went into this season doing, it only tweaks a little bit, I think. Just in the sense that you only make a deal if your your price is met. And there's a threshold that they have to get to. Uh, Darian Thatcher says, with a likely playoff berth in a rebuilding year, does it make sense to have some form of of rotation between Hart and Arison in the playoffs to get both guys' experience? He's asked this question six ways to Sunday. No. The answer is no, Darian. You do not rotate goaltenders in the playoffs. You don't have to make that decision right now. But if you had to make it right now, the decision is to me is simple. It's Carter Hart all day. I think people, we've seen how good of a, a run Sam Arison has had taking out the first three games of this season. But still, he's got a relatively small sample size in the NHL. Carter Hart has a much more significant sample size. And Carter Hart also has a sample size of playing in the playoffs, back in the bubble, where he was excellent in those three play-in games, in the first round against the Montreal Canadiens, going against his boyhood idol and Carey Price, and then in that second round, the seven-game series against the New York Islanders. I think people see how good Arison's playing, and they want to crap on Hart's play. Hart's play has been just as good and probably more consistent from start of the season till now. And I see the people going, well, the way Arison's playing, now you can trade Hart for Hall. I... Why turn a strength into a weakness? But you go into the playoffs, you do not rotate goalies in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think it's a horrible Horrible idea. Uh, Boston Gary checking in. He's Boston Gary. Don't make don't mistake it. He's a Flyer fan, not a Boston fan. He said, are the Flyers buyers at the deadline without giving up a ton of depth? Where would they buy at? My guess is defense. I don't think defense at all, Gary. We just talked about the logjam that you have created there right now. Plus, you don't want to acquire a player for the blue line because you do have some players down in Lehigh Valley that you need to still maintain room for, like Emil Andre or Ronnie Adderd. So, no, I I don't think they're buyers, period. End of sentence. I don't think the success of this season 
is going to change the front office's mind to go, okay, forget the rebuild, we're buying. I think what the front office's message to the locker room is, is, hey, you guys got us into this race. You got yourself in playoff position. Go with what you got. We don't need to add. They already added Drysdale and didn't give up a roster player because of the way that played out. But, no, it's going to be up to these players. I don't don't see a situation where they buy. Um, Greg Cellini uh, tweets in and says, said, my only question for you, Jason, is are you having fun again or what? Well, that's the first part, and I'll answer that right now. Yeah. This this season's been a blast, and that's what he says. This season's been a blast. None of us saw this coming. This team is so easy to root for. I hope you're having fun because I am, and I think a lot of other fans are too. Keep it up, Flyers. Yeah, totally agree. This, you know, Sometimes the most fun you can have is when it's unexpected. When you don't think you're going to get much, but you do. And this team has been unbelievably fun to watch. They've defied conventional wisdom, like the win on Saturday against the Winnipeg Jets in a back-to-back when Winnipeg was not on a back-to-back. You know, schedule losses that they refuse to just say, okay. So, no, it's been a lot of fun. And after the last, I guess, four years, boy, is it deserved for this fan base. Uh, Sunstroke PHL, PHL says, before this season started, I thought the 24-25 season could be the most pivotal in the rebuild and provide insight to what this team looks like as a contender. What things do you what things do you see as necessary upgrades or changes to get there and be cap compliant? Woofa, that's a you know, I always say there's three elements three key elements that a GM has to figure out. Number one is what we all see when we turn on the TV or we go down to the games and we watch. The team on the ice. Those pieces have to fit. And you have to have a little bit of everything in in those 12 forwards, in those 6D. You got to be able, you know, you have your, your playmakers, you have your, you know, guys that go in and forecheck or guys that can defend and guys that can provide offense, guys that can kill penalties, guys that can help you on all that stuff. All those pieces on the ice need to fit together in a very complex puzzle of 18 skaters and two goalies. Then you have the dynamic of those personalities of those players fitting in culturally with the organization's vision, with the standard of play, as Torts calls it, and within each other. They have... They don't have to all be best friends, but how do those pieces and how are the how is the dynamic in the locker room? Do they fit together as a unit and as a galvanized group like we've seen this year? And then the other part, which is equally as hard as the first two, is how do they fit together fiscally from a salary cap standpoint? How do you fit all of these pieces together that complement each other, that work in the room, that respect each other and have their brothers' backs and have it work out financially in a salary cap league. And you look, when a GM looks at a salary cap, he can't look at it in just one-year windows or even two- or three-year windows. you got to look at your one-year, two-year, three, five. We got these guys coming that we drafted. Our projection is player X is going to be in the NHL by this time on an entry-level contract. This guy, uh, at that point, will be turning UFA. We can... If, you know, he's 34 at that time, we 
lose that salary, but we can make it up with it. There's a lot to consider. So the GM's job um, is a very difficult one because you have to weigh those three buckets. And in today's NHL, frankly, you got to get them all right. You got to slam dunk them or you're not going to win. It's too hard to win that you can't you, you can't have a weakness in any of those three key categories. Paul tweets in, he says, how to this point, how much does players' personality reputation factor in for the front office, coaching staff when making an acquisition or move? Seems like this group more than any other prioritizes locker room fit. Any historic exa- historical examples of that working successfully? Um, I, personality, reputation, yeah, they absolutely matter. One of the things you heard Danny Breer talk about when they acquired Jamie Drysdale was about uh, his compete level, his, you know, just professionalism and the way he carries himself. Torch said, I got more texts about Jamie Drysdale last night about this kid's character. Those things absolutely matter. You can't play for Torts if you aren't, if you don't a high character, player, and person. And you can't play for him if you have no self-accountability. That'll never work with Torts. He'll hold you accountable, but ultimately, he wants to see the player hold themselves accountable. Jim Wagner uh, tweets in and says, Jason, the success of the team so far this season has to change the front office thinking of rebuild for now. What moves can be made to bolster the lineup for a playoff run without jeopardizing rebuild plans and our young talent? Um, I'll give this one a real simple answer. No moves. No ads. You can subtract. I don't think adding, they're not going to go, okay, we need a a second-line center and go out and go crazy and get one. They're going to stick to the plan of the rebuild. And this group that put them in this predicament of being a playoff team when a lot of people didn't think so, they're going to be the ones that have to play through this whole thing, which is a good thing. All right, let's get to Kevin. He says, uh, what do you do with Hart after the season? He'll be in RFA, and Erson has come along great. And uh, what D-man is most likely to be dealt at the trade deadline, and what returns could be could the returns be for Walker, Sealer, and any Konechny extension talk? Nothing on Konechny right now. Just they're letting the player concentrate on that. There's, uh, as far as I know, uh, that hasn't been uh, a point of uh, conversation. It w- they'll get there though. Absolutely, we know the value of Travis Konechny. Let's go to the heart part of it. And Brian, let me couple these two together. Uh, Brian also tweeted and said, what are your thoughts on Hart's next contract? So at the end of the season, um, you'll have more information, A, you know, how the remainder of this season finishes and if they make the playoffs, how Hart and or Erson plays. Um, so we'll get that info. And obviously Erson will have more of a sample size. Uh, but but Hart's a restricted free agent. So um, look, you have to make a decision at some point because, you know, Sam Erickson's going to want to be a starter at some point. Now, you have control because Sam Erickson's not going to be an unrestricted free agent for a long, long time. So you have time to make that decision. But you don't have, you know, you do want to pick a direction. Right now, Carter Hart is the starter, and it's kind of end of story. And I know people really love what they've seen out of Sam Harrison. Uh, but Sam Harrison can't just walk. He, when his contract's up and he's got two more years after this one, with that new contract Danny Breer signed him to in the summer, uh, but the way I look at it, 
Um, you have to weigh all of that. And again, like those puzzle pieces I just talked about, fitting them together, you also have the puzzle pieces of goaltending, which is always complicated because there's only one net. There's only two goalies with the big club, two goalies with the Phantoms, and two goalies with your ECHL team. You don't have, you know, a lot of places to kind of stash a guy, let him develop, and like you do with a forward or defenseman. So you do have some guys that they drafted as well, whether that's Carson Bjarnason, whether that's Kolosov, whether that's uh, Zagrovin, or you know any of the guys that they have. Those guys could be on coming as well. So Kolosov, if he comes over in two years, and he's the man like Igor Shosturkin, then obviously things change. But um, as far as what a contract would look like for Hart, a restricted free agent deal, I think you could see... If he did a bridge deal, uh, a two-year or three-year, you know, 6.25 AAV. That's that's about what I could see. Look, this league <laughs> right now is starving. There are so many teams starving for a goalie that can make stops. There are so many teams without it. So the value of what you're going to have to pay those guys is going to be commensurate to that. Plus, the salary cap is going to be rising. So you have that part of the equation as well. Um, but, you know, it's it's something at this point that I don't even really want to think about yet. I just want to enjoy the season before I get into those complications. But um, it is something that they're going to have to look at both the near and long term uh, in their net. Good news is, is they got a lot of options that are really good. Options, especially when it comes to goaltending, are great. Jackson Margola says, who's the goaltender when the Flyers start 25-26? Dude, I'm not going there. It's the 23-24 season. That's like so far in the distance. That'd be a question I'd answer in the offseason, but I have no idea. Here's what I know. It's not going to be me. So, uh, Stu tweets in and says, any chance this changes the timeline and they buy at the deadline? And, oh, uh, Rye says, should we trade a goalie? If so, which one? And, oh, I do not trade a goalie because I do not, in this league, I do not turn a strength of my team into a weakness. I firmly believe this. The Flyers are sitting in the second spot of the Metropolitan Division in a firmly placed playoff position right now, and a huge element of that is their goaltending in total. That is Sam Harrison, and that is more or Carter Hart. That is why they're there, because... You're going to have three games in four days like they just had. You, I think they had 14 or 16 back-to-backs this year. Your backup's got to play. And you can't just not get quality goaltending performances in those situations. you got to get good goaltending performances. And that's why they are where they are. It's huge. And it's huge for the guys in front of them as well to know that even on a back-to-back, with their backup in, that guy is going to be able to give them saves. And that is an enormous element to this team's success this season. Kevin says, Jason, are you going to the outdoor game? Oh, hell yeah. Of course. I think it'll be the sixth outdoor game that I've broadcasted. Obviously, the first one, Fenway Park in 2010. 2012 at Citizens Bank Park, that's two. Uh, Pittsburgh for the Stadium Series, that's three. Philadelphia for the Stadium Series, a couple years. I guess it'll be my fifth. So, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be uh, quite the epic night uh, taking on the New Jersey Devils. It's actually not that far away either. 
Uh, that game's coming up on February 17th. Flyers, Devils, outdoors. All right, uh, one last question. Uh, James King says, given Drysdale's injury history, do you think they should continue to look for a top pair elite D-man in the next few years via free agency or focus on finding a 1C? Um, again, we need to find, to your point, we need to find out if Jamie Drysdale is a player that remains available. You've heard, you guys heard me say it a thousand times. The only ability that matters, that matters most, is availability. If you're, you can have all the skill and all the, you can play like the, a dynamo, but if you're not available, um, it doesn't matter. So we'll have to see on exactly how available he is, but I don't, I, I don't think that's the most pressing need of a top pair, pairing defenseman. I mean, if Drysdale does stay healthy, obviously you have that. You have Travis Sanheim as a top pairing left side guy. Cam York is developing. He, you know, he may not be a three or a four. He may be a top pairing guy. We don't know uh, about Emil Andre or Oliver Bonk. So I think they have a really good pipeline of organizational depth defensively. I think the area should be on finding a center, um, a dynamic center. How do you do that? You can do it in the draft. You can do that in free agency. You can do that in trade. But that ain't happening during the season. So it is something that they will have to focus on big picture as the rebuild continues. And just because the team is where it is doesn't mean they're not rebuilding. So uh, great question from James to wrap it up. Flyers and the Dallas Stars coming up tomorrow night. Flyers played Dallas way back on October 21st. They overcame a couple two-goal deficits in that game, got a point out of it. Um, And they'll face Dallas coming up tomorrow night at Wells Fargo Center. We'll preview it coming up tomorrow as well. So join us then on a brand new Flyers Daily.